don't see any end in sight to the consumer and business users infatuation with video. I mean, there are some of us that still like to read, but I think given the choice of, can I get this encapsulized or a news story in 30 seconds from a video clip, or do I want to read an article based on time? Video is the preferred method. Hello, and welcome to Let's Talk Tech, a monthly podcast that explores the latest emerging technologies, the people behind them, and how these trends will affect the way we work, live, and play. I'm Stacy Kirkland of Seaspire, and in today's episode, show host Dave Miller interviews two leading analysts for Cisco about new research that predicts 70% of the world's population will be mobile users by 2020, and the implications for 5G, the next generation of super-fast, flexible wireless connectivity. Join them as they discuss how 5G may be coming just in the nick of time, as smartphones and other mobile devices are set to flood the internet with data and video over the next five years. Welcome to Seaspire's Let's Talk Tech podcast. I'm Dave Miller, and today we're discussing findings and implications from some recent research by Cisco, the world's largest network equipment provider, that predicts 70% of the world's population will be mobile users by 2020. The research and its shocking statistics have kicked efforts by mobile service providers into high gear to introduce 5G, the next generation of super-fast, flexible wireless connectivity. Joining us today via phone to explore how 5G may be coming just in the nick of time as smartphones and other mobile devices are set to further flood the internet with data and video over the next five years is Thomas Barnett, Director of Service Provider Thought Leadership, and Saruti Jane, Senior Analyst on Cisco's Service Provider Thought Leadership teams. Barnett and Jane are company veterans with decades of experience and key contributors to Cisco's Visual Networking Index research that forecasts and analyzes the growth and use of the internet and IP networks worldwide. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having us, Dave. It's really a pleasure. We're really excited to have you on today's program as we learn more about the phenomenal growth of mobile data traffic and the implications for consumers, businesses, and service providers. Can you share with our audience what visual networking is, first of all, and then why Cisco has been doing this type of research for the last decade? Sure. Visual networking really refers to the broad range of applications and services that are actually hosted and provided over broadband networks. Um, Shruti and I focus on looking at this for Cisco. Obviously, we have a vested interest based on the products and solutions that Cisco offers, And we initially did this 10 years ago to give our own engineers and product planning groups an understanding of where the trends were going to better understand what our customers need. In doing that, and in meeting with service provider customers around the world, we understood that they knew their networks, but were not necessarily as familiar with the global and regional trends. And so we started sharing that with them. So it's been 10 years of working on this, looking at uh, what we'll speak to is mostly the mobile side, where we look at 2G, 3G, and 4G traffic, as well as Wi-Fi as it pertains to offload. And Shruti has particularly been instrumental in developing the methodology looking at user growth, 
the devices and connections that people are using and emerging areas and trends such as the Internet of Things, wearables, and the whole 2G up through 5G evolution that is imminent, as you earlier mentioned earlier. Thanks so much for that explanation. One estimate from your research that I found absolutely mind-blowing was that mobile data traffic is expected to rise eightfold by 2020 to 366.8 exabytes. I'm not going to get into what an exabyte is, but it's a lot of data. That total, though, <laughs> and this is what was mind-blowing for me, that total is equivalent to posting 7 trillion video clips to YouTube. But the biggest jaw-dropping finding of the research I found was that mobile data, even though it will represent only 15% of the total data traffic in five years, is growing at a faster rate than the overall worldwide Internet. Based on your research, what is driving this dramatic mobile data growth? I'll let Trudy embellish on this a little bit, but really it's a combination of factors. The first factor, I think, as you mentioned, is just personally, more and more people are connecting with more and more devices. So that seems kind of simple, but the growth is also, if you look at how we're using our phones, if we went back to 2000, people spent about 10% of their time doing something other than talking on the phone. Now, if we look at 2015, 90% of the time or things that we do on the phone are non-voice related. So it's all data. We're surfing the web, we're looking at videos, we're sending emails or other things over this connection and device that wasn't initially designed for that. So the use of our devices and the available content is one thing that's driving it, but also the number of things and the types of things that are connecting to mobile networks is also changing. Shruti, maybe you can give a little bit of color around what you're seeing from a device and connection perspective. Definitely, Thomas. So basically, we've um, sort of categorized the drivers into four main categories. The first one being the growth in mobile users. So uh, by 2020, we think five and a half billion people will be using mobile networks to access information for their entertainment purposes, for communication, etc. So that is seven out of 10 people by 2020 will have access to mobile networks. Then, of course, there's growth in mobile connections, and what we mean is the growth in end-user devices such as smartphones, tablets, on the one hand, but then also the growth in machine-to-machine connections such as smart meters, connected home applications, etc. That will be about a quarter of the total devices and connections by 2020. So about 12 billion devices and connections will be on mobile networks by 2020, and about 3 billion of those will be machine-to-machine connections. The network themselves is evolving. So what we find is the speeds are increasing. There'll be more than threefold growth in speeds of the mobile networks with lower latencies, which across you know 2G, 3G, and 4G, we are definitely moving from 2G, evolving towards 4G. And as we mentioned in the in the earlier part of the talk, 5G is imminent. So that is driving a lot of multimedia type of application consumption onto the networks, and and that's changing behaviors. Initially, the mobile networks, we were just using more for talking, sending messages. Now they're being used more to consume rich media. And when we say that, we find that by 2020, 75% of mobile traffic will be video-centric, which is you know, huge growth from the current times where 55% of the total traffic is driven by video. 
That's a great segue to my next question. I'd like to shift gears just a minute and get both of your observations and insights on what, in my view anyway, is the seemingly insatiable appetite that consumers and even businesses seem to have for mobile video. Your research indicates, like you said, that by 2020, at least 75% of mobile data traffic will be video. With social media like Facebook and Twitter introducing new ways to create, share, and publish video, and content providers devoting more resources to video creation and delivery, is this trend likely to continue in the foreseeable future? And what are the implications for service providers with consumer demand rising for even higher quality 4K and ultra-high definition video streaming? Is this growth sustainable over an extended period of time? And how much does the cord-cutting streaming phenomenon by millennials contribute to this trend? Yeah, all good questions, Dave. And I would say, you know, we don't see any end in sight to, you know, the consumer and business users infatuation with video. I mean, there are some of us that still like to read, but I think given the choice of can I get this encapsulized or a news story in 30 seconds from a video clip or do I want to read an article based on time, video is the preferred method or the preferred vehicle. And even with our communications, if we can see and talk to someone, a family member or someone at work, that experience is richer than just having a phone call. And if we have the technology capability to do it, we will. So the implications for service providers, what we're seeing largely on a global level and in other parts of the world beyond the United States is that mobile data caps are growing to accommodate this video surge. In the United States, not so much. We see data caps still being at similar levels of a few years ago, but we we believe that that's going to change. The other thing is the technology itself. So we see content moving closer to the edge of the network. So uh, we see content delivery networks, for example, in fixed broadband, residential broadband environments, uh, so it can be delivered more efficiently. And we'll also see new forms of video compression and more efficient ways of delivering it. And that's one of the promises, quite frankly, of 5G, is that you'd be able to deliver multimedia content more efficiently to a broad range of devices. Shooting, not sure if there's anything else that you'd want to add there, but I think those are some of the implications that we've seen from a video perspective as well. Definitely. The only thing I would like to add to that, Thomas, like you said, you know, with the technology evolution, video is becoming even more pervasive. And we have a shift going on. Not only the number of devices are increasing, but the mix therein is increasing towards what we call smarter devices, which make the consumption, you know, multimedia, especially video, more pervasive. And everyone's doing that. So on one hand, we see growth of uh, smart devices. And by smart devices, we mean that are, you know, capable of multimedia consumption, higher computing capability. You know, we see those increasing significantly over the forecast period. And, you know, because more video can be consumed on those, the networks are definitely having to scale to keep pace with that technology development as well. I appreciate those responses. I did want to go back to one other finding in your latest VNI research, it suggests that one of the most surprising trends is how quickly 
mobile data traffic is shifting between the generations of network connectivity from 2G to 3G to 4G, and now we're in this sort of hyperspeed to 5G. Most operators are talking about accelerating the introduction of 5G and possibly supporting download speeds up to 1,000 megabits per second or 1 gigabit per second or more in the near future. Is there any reason to believe that the network infrastructure has the capability to keep pace with this demand that you're predicting in your report? Yeah, I think the demand will continue to be there. You know, first and foremost, I think we need to go back and look a little bit more closely at 4G. We were even surprised at how fast the 4G growth was. And largely it was driven by competition. You know, each carrier wanted to offer 4G as a differentiator. 3G just wasn't good enough anymore. So one, there was a drive to compete with other carriers to have 4G. And from a consumer perspective, the experience was better. You were able to watch video on your smartphone, you know, Android or iPhone device. Uh, And the experience was better. And so whatever the incremental cost was, people were willing to pay for that. I think when we talk about 5G, there does have to be a business model or monetization. We've gone already through sort of that bubble period of build it and they will come. And service providers at the end of the day have to be profitable and need to make money. So they will have to be able to find ways to have a return on investment of 5G. Certainly there are standards requirements and spectrum issues that have to be addressed and the broad range of content and compatibility with the existing applications needs to be addressed as well. So we may see small pockets of 5G becoming available before we see large-scale deployments, and we project those large-scale deployments won't be in place until 2020 or sometime thereafter. I appreciate that. My final question today really revolves around an area that's getting a lot of discussion In fact, you addressed quite a bit in your latest VNI report, and that's the Internet of Things, or as some like to call it, the Internet of Everything. There are numerous reports and research from some of the most respected and well-known analysts in the tech industry about the potential growth for what today is still somewhat of a nascent sector. The new research from Gartner estimates that the number of connected objects will grow 30% this year to 4 billion Internet of Things devices. That's about 4.4 million new things connected every 24 hours. By 2020, the number of connected devices will reach anywhere from 21 to 30 billion, depending on which study or research you recite. Meanwhile, consumer spending on Internet of Things devices is expected to grow from an estimated $546 million this year to more than a trillion dollars by 2020. And I think we saw some of that phenomena already occurring during the Christmas holiday period with the huge <laughs> upsurge in uh, drone sales <laughs> for consumers. While they differ on the rate of growth, all the researchers apparently agree that Internet of Things will be massive, disruptive, and larger than the smartphone and tablet revolutions combined. Does your research indicate whether the still-developing 5G network technology and infrastructure will be able to handle this quantum leap in mobile connectivity and speeds? Well, I think I'll give Shruti a chance, since this is really one of her areas of expertise. I think her insights will be particularly helpful to your audience. But 
In general, I would say, yes, the transition can be supported. You know, we look at the machine-to-machine connections in terms of only those that touch an IP network. So there's many different ways that these things connect, whether it be a Bluetooth connection or near-field communications. Sometimes they're toggled through a smartphone, so everything doesn't necessarily touch an IP network. But by our estimations, there'll be over 3 billion machine-to-machine connections by 2020. And we tend to be on the conservative side. There also, we see the trend growing in terms of these wearable devices. So the Fitbit watches, smart watches, and other things, and many other things are being connected. What people need to remember, and I think most service providers realize this and are building plans is, There's a wide range of applications. So everything, let's say on the low end, from a smart meter by your home, which is looking at the use of a utility, to a smart car, which needs very high speeds, instantaneous communication, and low latency, and many, many applications in between there. It is affecting a broad range of verticals. I'll let Trudy speak to that a little bit, but I think the growth can be supported, but it will take an ecosystem of partners beyond just service providers to help make this happen. Shruti, hopefully that's a good segue maybe to share some of the things that you found on the, on the Internet of Things or Internet of Everything side. Definitely, Thomas. Like Thomas said, we do see a huge growth happening on the machine-to-machine side, what we refer to as, you know, Internet of Things phenomenon. We expect that there is going to be a five-fold growth in the machine-to-machine connections that are connecting on, uh, to the cellular networks. You're growing from about, you know, 600 million in 2015 to over 3 billion, like Thomas said, by 2020. So that's a huge growth. And we do feel that whereas, you know, 4G was driven by end-user device proliferation, dynamic information access, 5G is going to be driven largely by um, IoT applications. And so the stage is being set currently, uh, we think, for um, rollout of 5G. There are technologies such as low-power wide area networks that are emerging to also handle this growth, growth of IoT through either license spectrum or non-license spectrum. And, and they u- utilize ultra narrow band to, and, and very low power uh, modules to monetize mon- M2M applications. 5G is expected to help further with the optimal resource allocation to, to handle this, this growth in IoT. And we, and we feel that uh, currently the stage is being set, like I said, for, for 5G rollout. And what will make it successful is, of course, like Thomas said, is, is the development and evolution of partnerships. And uh, and also, you know, uh, there are issues around regulatory standards, spectrum availability, and uh, development of business cases that still needs to be done. But we feel that uh, networks are definitely going to be able to address this growth in IoT with network evolution. I really appreciate that response. I was just thinking as you were responding In my own small way, I'm contributing to this quantum leap. I just got a Fitbit, and now I'm connected to like over 200 people that are, you know, doing the same thing that I'm doing, you know. And it's it's just amazing how technology, you know, all these 
sensors and points that you know have to interact at some point with a network or whether it's an IP network or you know over the internet in this case you know with a bluetooth connection to the smartphone and then connecting with all of these other users it's just amazing i can see how this thing just you know can grow exponentially yeah i mean just the social media aspect of mobile networking is amazing in and of itself and there are people that are focused on that but if we think back to you know, our own sort of friends and family view of mobile phones in 2000, we had maybe 10 to 20 contacts that were, you know, we were in constant contact with. Today, with Facebook, other things, we're connected to 250 plus people. And as you mentioned with your Fitbit, you might be comparing your number of steps walked per day and your activity with a host of people that maybe you'll never be in personal contact with, but you're comparing your data as a group. And that sort of big data analytics, where that data is going, and maybe for another discussion, Dave, we can talk about how things are moving to the cloud, as well as the security aspects and, and making sure that all of this stuff stays in the right hands and the, the right eyeballs get to see it. There's a lot of different um, and interesting implications, challenges, but obviously opportunities for how the network and all the data it generates are being used. Well, I want to again thank both of you for your time today. It's been absolutely fascinating. I would encourage anyone who's interested in technology and the future of technology and the trends and the direction that it's going in to uh, review your visual networking index research. I know you do it on an annual basis. This one that I saw this year was really compelling and really dramatic in terms of what you see coming down the pike just in the next five years. If anyone is interested in that research, they can go to cisco.com forward slash go forward slash VNI and get direct access to that research. Again, thank both of you for your time today. It's been it's been really eye-opening for me and uh, look forward to talking with you in the future. Sounds great. It's been our pleasure, Dave. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. You can get the latest updates on Cisco VNI research at www.cisco.com forward slash go forward slash VNI or follow them on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Cisco VNI and on Twitter at Cisco VNI. If you like the show, subscribe through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn. Join us next time as we talk to Dr. Martha Rogers, an acclaimed author, business strategist, and founder of Peppers & Rogers Group, the world's premier customer-centered consultancy on how technology advances are fueling wholesale changes in how businesses serve and communicate with customers. We'll discuss her latest bestseller, Extreme Trust, turning proactive honesty and flawless execution into long-term profits, which explores how the digital revolution has fundamentally redefined the trust relationship between businesses and customers.